to Mad Breeze. Hi, welcome to the first episode of Mad Breeze. This podcast is meant to be a free place for creative people to talk about intriguing topics in a genuine way, in a transparent way as well. I'm your host, Hamim, musician and designer. And today I have four uh, amazing guests uh, who are four of them artists and doing great stuff. I found them online and that's why I wanted to invite them to this uh, podcast because I want to talk about their art, about their background, about uh, other things that are interesting for them. Um, so let me introduce them. First, I have uh, Mr. Daniel Vogt, uh, aka Il Vogto. Uh, hi, Daniel. How are you doing? Hi. What's up? I'm good. Nice. Uh, and then I got uh, Utah, uh, who's a digital visual artist uh, from Netherlands. What to do? Hey. And then uh, Enki, who's also 3D artist based in California, uh, USA, but originally from Seattle. Yeah, what's up? Uh, the other way around, actually, but yeah, what's up? Oh, right. Sorry, my bad. Um, Sure, and then I got Diego El Rodriguez, uh, aka Paranoid Me. Yeah, him. Thanks for having me. Thank you. So yeah, basically, um, I wanted to talk about each of your artworks, guys, for a brief time um, because that's uh, one of the really interesting things about what you guys do. Um, both mm -hmm. a lot of you guys or, or all of you guys are active on Instagram and. Uh, you your work really shines through uh, through the feed. Like if anybody goes through the search uh, site or or even on, like on other platforms, let's say on Behance or something, the stuff you do, uh, the quality of it and how fresh it is, how fresh it is, grabs uh, people's attention. Uh, so yeah, basically, I wanted to um, maybe talk to uh, Utah about the stuff that you do because the, the stuff that you do is kind of like uh, it reminds me of this uh, artist from Japan called uh, Gucci Maze Gucci Maze exactly you already know what I'm yeah I'm, I'm uh, people also know me as Gucci Maze um, yeah no um, what do you want to talk about my work yeah basically like where do these shapes come from basically like where do you think they originate from like i spit on a piece of paper and then i scan it <laughs> and then it basically no really like i just start started with like really weird shit and just scan it and take shapes from it and then you scan the paper yeah what i never heard that before that's that's a really. I think you can use like in that in that context you can use like a lot of shit for basically shapes because everything is made out of shapes. So you know you just gotta. Yeah. But I also do like a lot of like a regular just pencil paper and uh, different pens and stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and a lot of like uh, markers I'm into right now. Yeah, because like also um, a lot of the the shapes that you're using look like they are. Um, typography related but they're not uh, because they're, they're well, too abstract it's from a background of graffiti um, I think it's a very interesting place because it really challenges the boundaries of typography and you know letters in general mm -hmm. and I think with that it also provides a lot of freedom in a certain way so I don't have to really worry about it but there's always the fundamentals of letters and stuff that you should respect mm -hmm. Uh, but in that manner, I like to really just draw some lines and see what it leads to. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, your lines look really nice. Uh, I mean, the way that, like, the, the sharp ones that look like they're coming from a rock metal album, 
you know, and uh, but also like uh, kind of like early 2K um, inspired. Um, but you, you t managed to present it in a new way, which is what grabbed my attention. Before. No, not really. It's like it's, it's just trendy shit right now. I don't think. I think a lot of the stuff is really talentless, and which is it is okay, of course. But um, I'm not really active on Instagram anymore because it is not exciting to me as much as it used to be. Uh, a lot of my work is based on just trends that are old right now, and I don't think, like talent-wise or skill-wise, there's not much going on here. It's just a bunch of flashy effects, and I'm working now on like doing like actual good stuff. Well, I don't, I don't agree with you because I really think they're nice and I think you should continue to do that. Um, although, yeah, I get your point. They're trendy and maybe that's a good thing. But I think that like it's a, if that's like a beginning of something new, then the new things is going to be really, really dope. Um, I'm yeah, really curious about how this your visual styles are going to develop in the future. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and... Um, I wanted to talk also uh, to Inky about your work. Uh, I see a lot of animation um, about what you do. Like, this, does it stem from your work with other companies, other um, video producers, animation producers? Uh, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say it stems from that because it's kind of just how I literally started. I I went I went to school for for animation. I'm not an animator, uh, by any, by any means. Uh, but, um, I went to school for, um, character, character design and entertainment design. So mostly in for concept art is essentially what I was doing. And it kind of just stemmed out from there. As soon as I started doing a lot more 3d and just kind of kept going down that road. Mm -hmm. Well, I like, um, Yuka's work. Uh, which is in a different style. Uh, your work, um, when I look at it, I, I can really sense a story in what you do. Like when I look at character standing in a, such an environment, um, like a sci-fi theme or um, something similar like that, I feel like there's this character has like tells a story through the one frame. And, um, and that's really nice. Um, so... Uh, when did you start uh, like learning how to um, create these characters? Uh, I mean, I was I was drawing like just you know with pencil and paper and stuff like that since I was in like high school. But um, I, I I wouldn't say I got serious about character until college when I started doing concept design, character design, stuff like that, and and what makes a character interesting is, is obviously the story behind them. Like they can have, a, you can have a great design and everything, but, um, it's, it's never fully a character until you give them that rich backstory or, or some, some kind of, you know, environment for the viewer to look at and say, okay, well, you know, they, they you can let the viewer make up their own mind or whatever, yeah. see what they, see what they think and what story they create in their mind. But, mm -hmm. Yeah, you want you kind of want to base it around story. You put two images right next to each other, um, and one can be really pretty, and the other one can be really pretty. But the one that has a story, the viewer is always going to get more out of. So I just yeah. I like to I like to push story. Mm -hmm. So story goes over eye candy. Um, but the the reason why I asked you is because I wanted to know like how much time it takes for somebody to go from like a a noob like a beginner to like. 
someone who got something to show. Um, and I guess like it's kind of like five years um, learning curve. Am I right? I, because I mean, I don't, I don't, I wouldn't field, say that, right? <laughs> it, it, yeah, definitely def depends on the field, but I, I wouldn't say that there's necessarily a, a set time for for anybody um, in any work of art. It all kind of depends on what kind of a learner you, learner you are, and you know, like what how how you're able to adapt the knowledge that you've learned into you know practical practice and and yeah yeah it's like like well, I, i've i've been doing cg art since or for about a little over 15 years now whoa. and i'm constantly learning still like I, I don't i don't stop as soon as you stop learning as an artist then yeah you've basically limited yourself to being whatever skill set you are at that point so i always say you know always a student never a master is kind of the motto I live by. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Writing that down. <laughs> and all right. So also I want to go from um, talking about Inky's work to Il Fuktu. Um, yeah. Which you can guys check out on Instagram at Il Fuktu. Um, E-L-V-O-G-T-O. I think I sense some similarity between you and what Yuta does. Um, there is some kind of like, uh, you know, this typography style, uh, sharp, uh, icon, icon, I always struggle with this word. Icon Iconography. Iconography. Jesus, I can't even say <laughs> um, Yeah, and then like um, trendy stuff, really trendy stuff. Like you paint on 3D uh, object like using graffiti style paint and uh, using a lot of automi automobiles uh, like from the 90s, like the Ferraris and Porsches. Yeah. Um, yeah. Tell me like, where does this come from? This like whole theme or this whole like, collection of visuals? Where do you bring it from? I think it's very difficult to explain. Um, it's, it's like I'm doing what I like. It's a, it's a, it's a vibe, some kind of, um, like when you hear music or something and you yeah. like more the dark themes and um, uh, I, wa I want to bring a vibe out and um, some people say it's a, it's a mix between uh, retro or vintage and future style. Mm -hmm. Retro futurism. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's pretty much it. So um, I like a lot of chrome or uh, holographic elements. Um, mm -hmm. I like to use bright colors, but in contrast for uh, a dark background, like mm -hmm. uh, there's a lot of black stuff. Mm -hmm. um, so the, the the bright elements like neons and so are shining a lot more. Mm -hmm. um, I think it, it was a process like um, to, to come to this point. And um, I, I think one or two years ago, um, I, I find my my style and I keep practicing and make this better and better, but I think it's, uh, so it's my style now. Yeah. Nice. And, um, on what basis do you, this question I'm curious about on what basis you select the cars in your work? I see like Porsches, uh, old, um, Ferraris and GTR, uh, Skyline, the R34, mm -hmm. which is uh, a car known for being like part of the Fast and Furious and also in it for speed. Yeah. 
I think there's uh, there are movies and games I'm inspired of, like uh, the Nissan from uh, Need for Speed Underground mm -hmm. 2 on PlayStation 2, mm -hmm. or some um, retro that, cars. That, that blue one, right? Um, it's yeah. the, the the one in the water. You mean? And Underground or? 2 was like the blue one at the very beginning, like on the tutorials when like they show you how you drive it and so on. Like that's yes, the, that's the yes, yes, the yes. Yellow stripe on the. Yes, also on uh, Too Fast to Furious. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, I like um, movies from the 90s. So I'm uh, a 90s kid. I like mm -hmm. the, the style of or, or the vibe of the 90s, mm -hmm. but also futuri futuristic styles. And I think that's, that's it. So I like characteristic cars and um, also... You should take a car from Cars, dude. The Pixar movie. Sorry. It looks sick. You should take a car from the Pixar movie, Cars. <laughs> um, Would look fucking I sick. Uh, I don't know, man. I'm I'm not into uh, Disney and Pixar so much. It's, mm. I think it's not my That's kind. That's a shame. Style. That's a shame. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, man. But what is it about the uh, kind of like warning icons and working warning signs? Like you have the uh, explosion warning and like a lot of the. He's um, trying to yeah. say you need to back off, dude. Yeah, basically that's what he's trying to say. <laughs> I guess. Um, so, so your quest was the question. Our questions like, why do you choose to present those uh, icons like of uh, like nuclear activities and and danger? Um, I think uh, I was inspired by um, the the uh, the hood I'm living or I I was growing up. It's in a in the industrial area, mm -hmm. um, and when we are kids, when we are were kids, we were playing there a lot, and there are a lot of warning signs and um, <laughs> industrial areas, and I think that that's giving me a lot of inspiration. And I like that kind of um, like dark romantic mixed with graffiti in the in the dark and but also some chrome elements and something. Yeah, I think that's why I'm using this. And I like this aesthetic of um, some these bright colors of some warning signs and uh, straight icons. Mm. Uh, yeah, awesome, pretty nice. Uh, I recommend everybody to see it, check it out. And also, um, I want to move on to. Diego Rodriguez uh, art. I want to talk a little bit about it. You can find him on Instagram as Paranoid Me Art. Uh, paranoid as you know the word and plus the word me art like P A R A N O I D M E A R T. Diego, what's up, man? I mean, how you doing? I'm doing great. I just want to like ask a few things, like because I'm looking at your art and um, it changed. I see this like transition from like details and 3d into like more flat and colorful and i want to ask you about where this come from is it like a project you really into diving into lately or it's something that you want to like move on entirely uh for the future like how do you see it um i always always been a, a fan of very colorful kind of uh you know graphics because uh i guess um like the other guest artists say like you towering your um uh, uh, you sometimes, you know, took uh, you took themes for your childhood or whatever you like when when you are a when you're a kid and uh, all the themes around you and that influenced you a lot. And in my, uh, um, 
you know, in my experience, it was more like cartoons and, and anime kind of series and uh, video games as, as well. When they started, you know, mm-hmm. uh, to um, you know to be in, in, in every in every home. Um, but uh, I always like like very a very kind of powerful visual impact. I, I think. That is what, uh, at the first sight, when you see a page or whatever, you know, mm-hmm. it calls your attention, mm-hmm. uh, certain colors, certain graphics, certain aesthetics. And I think it's always important to have those, uh, the, you know, that versatility as well. Uh, so uh, even though if I'm doing something more 3D, minimal, or whatever, uh, what I try to do is a visual impact. I think is is you know, when, when you want to make a living of this, uh, you need to call the attention of, uh, you know, any potential client out there. Yep. Mm-hmm. And that's what I try to do. Mm-hmm. All right, great, awesome. But I, I honestly like your um, your old work more um, because I don't feel like color is really something that uh, attract us uh, more than like the details uh, within the story or within the actual like frame that you're designing. Um, but yeah, I feel like, cause there's a lot of like uh, colors in the internet in general, like uh, in websites, uh, UI designers really uh, infuse the website with a lot of color colors and also on, on like everywhere on the internet based on social media. But like, I feel like when there's a depth inside the image or there's uh, something you, some new details, which you, do very well capturing and creating in your previous work. Um, a lot of stuff I really don't know what it means because it's too abstract, but still I can say that it's really cool. Uh, like the your usage of statues and your usage of uh, 3D icons, how you combine them both together. Um, mm. I really like that. And uh, I think a lot of people would dig that uh, in the sense that it's kind of modern, but also not cliche. Which is what I'm always looking for. Yeah, um, I agree. Mm-hmm. So, um, you you working in, in, in 3D Max or you working in uh, Cinema 4D or you using like some other uh, tools to create that? Right now, I use uh, Cinema 4D and uh, support tools. I use Zebras oh. and um, and these uh, Das 3D Studio for you know for some body modeling or something anatomy modeling. Nice. Awesome. Um, yeah, it's pretty interesting. So um, now that you guys, um, I mean, my listeners have you, you know, became familiar with everybody over here on the podcast, I want to move on to our first topic that we want to talk about. And uh, yeah, on our last episode, we brought up the topic of uh, next generation gaming consoles um, and cloud gaming. And since gaming is such a cool topic, I want to talk about it more because a lot of pe- uh, a lot of dope things are happening in a way uh, that is new in the field of gaming right now. There is a new term emerging and it's uh, called uh, Gamefluencers. And it means the video game influencers which gain popularity and fame through their game streaming and competitions. One noticeable okay. uh, no, uh, known person is uh, Ninja. Um, from uh, the game, who's known for streaming the game Fortnite. Um, yeah, last year I seen him play Fortnite with Drake, the artist, uh, in his stream, and he partnered with Adidas, the sports Wait, company. for real? Yeah, yeah, they play together on one stream, um, and uh, with Drizzy, uh, and then he partnered with Adidas on that same year uh, to to advertise the, their campaign, and then uh, 
basically just game influencers continue to do well in such epidemic times right now because they do what they do online because uh, their their couch or, or from their desk uh, it's fun uh, it's fun and it's it's like possible to to do it even that it doesn't require traveling or doesn't require going to work which is good for this virus yeah but you have to play video games all day like well, think about that that's like, what they need on, to dude. do um, yeah maybe at first but I don't think a lot of them still enjoy it. Yeah, but uh, but what I wanted to say is just it's it's their job. So big brands are recognizing that. For example, uh, Louis Vuitton, uh, LV, the brand is offering uh, two character skins in the game League of Legends, the very famous game, oh, oh, no. which was designed by one of their art directors, uh, Nicolas Gisquer, along with a small clothing collection in real life, which you can actually buy from their store. Uh, so, uh, mind you that on the same year, back in 2016, they promoted the clothing line using Final Fantasy Tractor in an ad video, along with some runway show influencers. So it seems like the brand is targeting the Asian market through video games. And from the other hand, uh, game influencers are partnering with uh, noticeable brands to reach wider audience. So what do you guys think of that? It doesn't interest me. Oh. Um, but yeah, I just thought that uh, it's like this this new wave of video game influence. I mean, influences are always going to be there in some kind of form because advertising has like shifted to personal brands, and the gamers are just another part of it. And it's a very profitable market, so it's yeah, it's kind of it makes sense, you know, financially it checks out. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess what the I relation. I'm sorry. Yep. Go ahead. No, what, what I think is that um, these brands like Louis Vuitton or any other brand that luxury brand that want to go into a more younger you know generation of, of people that buy their stuff, they need to adapt their lines to the stuff that is trendy for these young people. Yep. Um, so they go into video games, but that is that is not their market. But how nowadays is evolving all the economy and all the markets and all the stuff, they need to be everywhere. And yes, I agree. And, and that's why they, they, they take these, uh, these game broadcasters or uh, YouTubers or uh, game influencers, like you said, uh, you know, to incorporate them in, in their brand because it attracts the, you know, the fan base of these young kids. And that makes more potential you know, for the brand in the future because these kids are going to grow up and, and they know the brand that was there when they were playing games, right? Mm-hmm. At least it's my point of view. Yeah, I guess the relationship between fashion and video games is moving beyond cosplays and Halloween. Um, <laughs> yes. I think they also take the opportunity to, to you know, to dig some of the aesthetic into the, into the brand because, um, you know, in, if they do it in a very creative way, like typical way, like, hey, let's go brainstorming some ideas or whatever. That took a lot of uh, that take a lot of effort and 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 you know creativity, and so if they can extract a little idea that also put them in a market, you know, with a lot of trends that are happening right now, I mean, it's win-win situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but this uh, that whole trend of you know big companies doing you know brand deals with like video game companies and stuff like that 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 this is, this happened a lot like a long time ago this is this is really isn't anything new this is very informative of like street and urban style um 
art movements where, you know, people want, you know, some cool custom sneakers or, you know, like a cool hoodie with their favorite like mm-hmm. anime characters or video game characters on it. Like, and rather than, you know, getting some cheap knockoff, um, they can get something, you know, nice and officially designed by, you know, mm-hmm. the company themselves. Mm-hmm. So I don't, I don't, I don't find this to be anything new, uh, or, or even, you know, the, the game influencers thing, like, you, you know, people streaming or, or making YouTube videos on, on video games, it's kind of been, it's been around for, I don't know, I'd say at least a decade now, almost, um, from, you know, like from the early YouTubers on to, mm-hmm. to now, you know, currently streaming stuff. It's, it, it's, I think it's more of a product of the internet rather than, um, than games in a general, in a general sense. Yeah. It's been more than a decade. Like YouTube started in 2006, 2005. And uh, mm-hmm. ever since, there were people uploading uh, videos of uh, them playing video games at that time. Yeah, obviously, quality has gotten better, but uh, mm-hmm. yeah, it's been around for a while now. No, you can make a living right now. <laughs> exactly, know, from, yeah. From a streaming that attracts a lot of uh, people that you know are into video games, and they are arguing that they are going to make a career into that because it's a reality right now. Mm-hmm. And, and then like the new kids right now who are like 10 years old, when you ask them what do you want to be, they want to be a streamer instead or an influencer yeah. <laughs> instead of being a um, doctor, which is really cool. Um, yeah, and also like there's this also new breed or new type of influencers uh, who are not even existing. They're just virtual. Like, uh, have you guys heard about Lil Maquila? No. She is, no. Uh, Utah, maybe you have. Um, Utah? Yeah, what's up? Uh, have you heard about Lil Maquila? Um, the, the AI influencer or something like that? Yeah, the AI influencer. Um, she doesn't exist, but somebody designed her and somebody rendered her. And she basically takes selfies. Uh, I guess somebody else has taken selfies and then they are merging Lil Maquila's face with that person to compose a new image. And that image goes on Instagram as a post with some uh, text. And then she, she, there, she also appears on some music videos uh, pretending to be a musician. Um, What's the name again? Uh, it's the it's the VTuber uh, movement. It kind of, it, honestly, it started with Hatsune Miku. Um, I don't know if anybody knows who that is, um, but that was a, a bad girl. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. She's a, yeah, so she's an AI, not, I mean, sort of an AI, but yeah, essentially she's a, a vocaloid, so all her voice is completely synthesized, mm-hmm. and she's a, she's a pop star in Japan, and... Um, it started with the Google Translate voice, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I, actually, if you really, I mean, if you really want to take it back before Hatsune, it, if you want to talk about like fake personalities, it, it really kind of started with the gorillas. With Frankenstein. Uh, or Frankenstein, yeah, yeah, sure. Um, but, you know, like the whole um, virtual uh, personality type type idea of, you know, like being being a you know a group or a person that isn't actually your true identity you know that daft punk mm-hmm. uh gorillas etc kind of like just like a you know just a creative being rather than a real person 
kind of like, I don't know. I think, I, I think it's kind of fun. It's kind of, it's kind of the, uh, an approach that I take with my, like just with my online art, just to, you know, kind of just separate the person and just let, you know, the personality of, of the art speak on its own and just okay, kind of separate it. the person and personality. It doesn't really, uh, well, I mean by, by creating uh, a fake persona. Yeah. 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 Something like that. But how does that doesn't that conflict with you know the general? Yeah, I don't. I don't think it necessarily fully separates you because it's still your creation. But you know what I'm saying? Like it's it's something that you can point, you people can point at that isn't necessarily mm. you as mm. you okay. as you. Yeah, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. I th- I think it's related to certain themes of your let's say regular life. Um, if you want to talk to talk uh, your work to talk more than than your life, you know. Uh, that's where this is is gonna take shape because now in, uh, in social media you can you can you can be known by your I mean in social media on, in every platform if you make things that call the attention of people uh, they are gonna name you first for your nickname not your real name if you don't put your real real name on your profile um, so that's why uh, many people like you know they have parallel projects a lot of people has right now. Um, a studio AKAs or whatever because they want to try something new and they don't want to relate the word yet because maybe they are preparing something or they are, or they are just experimenting and they don't want to be related with the other kind of work. This, this is done by a lot of musicians as well. Absolutely, 100%. Yeah, aliases are, are a great way to allow you to experiment and not, and not carry on you know, your usual style or, or any of your, you know, your past you know, work so that people don't expect a certain thing or whatever. It's, it's, it's a nice way to separate yourself from I, what I everybody to, expects. I have to disagree with that because at that point you're saying you're designing for people instead of, you know, it's, yeah, you're designing for people and you want to make stuff because people expect certain stuff of you, which is, I think, which is kind of wrong because ultimately they should be there for you and not the other way around. Oh yeah, I totally, I totally agree that you should be designing for yourself, and that's and if that's you want one to experiment. You want to experiment, and I don't think you should like resort to an alter ego or something like that. Because well, so, I out of fear, or fear of judgment or something, because I don't, I don't necessarily think that. I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure that some people are doing it out of fear of judgment and stuff like that, but I don't think necessarily. Um, everyone does that out of fear of judgment. Like I, I've, I've, I have a few projects going right now that I don't, I don't have my, you know, the name inky under that. I just, it's more of a, Hey, let's, you know, let's breathe this into the world as something completely new and not have anyone know mm-hmm. who's making it mm-hmm. and just like have fun with it that way. Um, and just let it be faceless. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's just something, you know, just it's just something to do. it's basically just you know another way of creating a project rather than you know putting it under your name sometimes you just want it you just want it to have a fresh start rather than and it's not out of fear it's just let's just have it be this i agree with that yeah um 
Yeah, but also like I, I think I feel like the case with the influencers, these virtual ones, uh, is that like they're kind of like a business project where a collection of people in the studio decided to launch this thing called Lil Makila. I don't know if you guys remember this, but there was this movie back in the nineties about it was like a famous Hollywood movie about a a person who launched a virtual character into a um, computer and he created it and it started to like have a name and have an appearance on the media and so on. And um, I don't remember like who was on the movie, but there were like some superstars and stuff. It was a like, famous movie. But then like now I look at what's happening today and that tractor that I seen like years ago is now it's, it's living today. And her name is Lil McWilla. And along with her, there's a lot of, another one called uh, Lil Wavy, but Lil Wavy is somebody who's like a, uh, he doesn't pretend to be real, but he, he says that he's like living in a video game because all of his aesthetics look like they're rendered from a game engine. Um, so the textures are not high res. Uh, the textures are just like uh, mediocre. Uh, makes you think of like a mid mid 2000 um, video <coughs> games. And um, also like a big brand is Balman. Use the CGI models, just like uh, Louis Vuitton did with the uh, Final Fantasy, they just rendered like models to advertise their their stuff, but like the persona thing with the Instagram is that people just like talking to her like on the on the comments, writing to her like, "Hey, you know, I really like you," or um, um, "I like your style" or stuff like that, and I like your new single, for example, and then she's replying as a real person, uh, with like, and probably it's somebody who's being hired to reply to those. Uh, to those uh, emails or to those comments or something like that but yeah and she also appears on some Instagram stories but I don't know I just thought to, me to mention that in relation to what we spoke about on the last episodes uh, in terms of like video games and and uh, the virtual world um, okay. yeah. my question is we are real or we are a simulation <laughs> <laughs> you should Oof. ask um if you can think about it, you are real. How do you know your thoughts were not programmed? Bro, let me get my DMT real quick. Be right back. <laughs> <laughs> we should ask Elon Musk. Anybody has Elon Musk number? You, you oh, did. yeah, I got him on the I'll give you one sec. Why didn't you get him on the podcast? Yeah, I need to. And if somebody could tag him in a post, like I would just have them. Um, I feel like I'm, I'm the new Joe Rogan. Have you, have you guys watched the Joe Rogan uh, episode with Elon when he was smoking? Yes. Uh, Wait, which one? Uh, Joe, uh, Joe Rogan, I think. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, the one, the one is, is Elon Musk is smoking a joint and they are talking about everything, <laughs> how to solve the world. And consciousness and, and yeah, yeah. singularity. I mean, and. Yes, there, there is a lot of things that, um, you know, it, it's a, uh, let's say it's a, it's a personal opinion podcast. I, I really, uh, I really encourage, you know, people to do those kind of a space where they offer, you know, other people's voices, you know, even if you are famous or not to just share your thoughts. I mean, that, I think that's, that's always positive. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. hundred percent agree. Um, but yeah, I mean, I guess you never know if uh, to answer your question, like, because nobody really gave like a good answer because usually when, when it comes to like those big questions that are hard to answer, I usually tend to read about those who are specialized in this particular field to give me like 
good information about it. And I feel like this subject is not really determined and they haven't really um, came to a an answer like to the um, to the real question that you just asked if we are programmed as beings or if we are just have the free will of acting how we want. Well, can anybody really answer that question? I mean, I don't care who you, what, what kind of specialized field you're a, ma- you know, quote unquote master in. Like, I don't, I don't think you can really actually answer that question. Like, yeah, like there's no, like you can't, you just can't. If, if you're going to try to answer that question, then, then maybe your responses are programmed. No, so, is either subjective or you're either going to seem like some ultra deep dude, you know? <laughs> uh, but maybe we do, we're not able to answer that question still as, as a race because the programmer, quote unquote, didn't want us to answer that question, wanted it to remain um, unanswered. So, yeah, we're just following the, the yeah, code. It's too complex, man. It's, it's the matrix, man. <laughs> Yo! bro um yeah so um no but what do you guys uh have you guys been uh, reading something new lately on the news uh, that surprised you or made you think uh, deeply about it or basically you know moved your thoughts a bit apart from corona please nobody mentions corona (laughs) i think you just did that for us Um, yeah. No, I, I I read the the Fortune 500 went up and I spit out my cornflakes. The Fortune 400? What? The S and P 500. What's that? The uh, the big the big five. The big the big companies that, that it went up their their worth went up. Oh, it went up this year. Mm-hmm. Like you mean like those uh, I don't know Apple. No, right now, yeah. But that uh, really made me spit out my cornflakes in the morning. I, I was yeah. I was also I read some news about that since you guys mentioned that um, like there used to be sixty two or sixty three uh, billionaires that own fifty percent of the human resources, and today this year twenty twenty the the number shrank down to like uh, I don't know like ten, um, and like. I guess I guess those are the the owners of those companies um, that you're speaking about, Utah. Yeah, yeah, that's the one percent. It's it's not too hard to believe, you know. There's well, five people in the world like that own zero point zero 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 one percent. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And I guess like one of them is uh, um, uh, Bezos from Amazon, and then um, Warren Buffett. Um, yeah, but it's crazy how how it's happening with capitalism. Did you hear about this uh, Japanese billionaire that is that is going to uh, be the first uh, moon visitor with a SpaceX? We spoke and about it last episode, yeah. Uh, the, the Japanese one that is taking an experiment there with a lot of artists and musicians. Yeah, he's going to make art uh, through his uh, journey. It's kind of crazy. He's going to paint inside the rocket launching to the moon he's gonna be the human like back like the first human on the moon after the one who or the group that been on the 69 1969 on the nasa mission Uh, i hope that it happens i mean i really i'll be really like anticipating that event to happen if if 
But yeah, uh, he must be super rich uh, to do that to, to do such thing. Like I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I don't even. He probably sells more of some gumbrud. Well, um, but yeah, I'm just happy that somebody you know has thought about you know doing some sort of art on their on their mission to the moon rather than you know just being scientific about it. I think. That's pretty cool. Yeah, mm. it's humane. It's extending our culture beyond our planet. I hope that they leave something there. I, I don't think they are allowed to, uh, you know, to land in the moon. I don't think. Uh, I don't think so. I, I mean, I, I guess they are gonna be orbiting the the moon, but mm. I, I don't think they are gonna land. I mean, because that's a very hard territory to go because you don't know. Actually, and even if this sounds hard to believe, but who owns the moon? I mean, that, that, nope, that nobody. Jesus, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but but because you have countries that are going with the, you know, space stations and uh, the, the the boundaries that you know this topic goes is if there is there is no one is owner to the moon, why are you are you not allowed you know to to land in the moon actually? It's gonna be. It's gonna be like the people with the most money. Just gonna, you know, gonna establish some hierarchy over there, and then it's how it's gonna be. I think. Yeah, I don't know who's telling them that they're not allowed to land on the moon. I don't think really anybody has the right to say that. So I, I don't, I don't understand. Yeah, that's not human at all, right? <laughs> like putting, uh, you know, the their name on 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 something that. Even you don't know what it's made of. That's kind of crazy. I mean, it appears in the universe, supposedly, right? Uh, it's a satellite of our planet, and and we are already trying to marketizing it. Like it's like put in the market, like uh, you know, to go visit it, and and that that's kind of crazy. I think um, you know, if we were so open to thrive, I think that we will encourage people to you know to. Uh, to make whatever they think to uh, to go there and explore it, and explore it. But you need to go through many filters, and I think because there is a reason that they want to control that. Yeah, man. I mean, I already have my two acres right at the edge of Lake Serenity, so <laughs> I don't know why everybody's so behind me. We need to catch up, guys. I'm gonna make a ranch on the moon. Have anybody played Portal Two? Oh yeah, no. no. Oh no, I, it was like mm -hmm. this last uh, mission when you, just, when you just like no. launched this uh, enemy through the moon. This is like this robot that was chasing you all this game. Um, yeah, but um, how about we move to um, to the sphere or to the air, uh, area of uh, music? Let's talk about music, guys. Have you uh, heard the new Arca album? Um, it's called uh, Non-Binary. Uh, I think the name is Kik, right? A-R-C-A. -A. Is that how you pronounce it? Arca. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but the, the name of the album is uh, Kik. It's K-I-C-K. It's amazing. I really like it. You uh, did? Oh, I it's nice it that you did listen to that. Well, I think one of my favorite I, musicians, I think, from the last years. I'm very, you know, uh, tuned with uh, what she's, she's doing and, and she's trying to, 
you know, to explore and, and uh, it's amazing. It's an amazing album, I think. Is that she? Yes, it's, she's uh, uh, Arkham made a transition from, from you know, uh, from uh, to a boy to a girl or to a man to a woman and that's or to a trans trans uh, human let's say and that's why the first name of the of the album is non-binary I think mm -hmm. I think she she doesn't like you know to be called in a gender uh, but uh, I know for a fact that you know she likes to be named as as her so oh okay because I don't know what to use she he or um, her or his. It's tricky. I don't know, but also a similar artist is Sophie. Uh, I love Sophie. She or he or she is a good artist, um, and they. I think they collaborated on this uh, project, uh, the last album, and the the sound is pretty, yeah, interesting. Um, if anybody didn't listen to that, uh, I recommend you to do that. Um, and by the way, we are not sponsored to recommend you anything, as for now. So we just tell you to check out stuff. Basically, because they're interesting and cool, we think you're gonna like it. Um, yeah, I'm usually looking for fresh sounding and experimental music. You guys know where to find the experimental fresh music, not the boring one that everybody listens to on Spotify. On the street corner of the big city. It's true. Looking on the streets is definitely a good way to find some some new stuff. Uh, just digging on the internet, digging for hours. Go to Flume's YouTube channel. Yeah. Flume's YouTube channel? Flume? You said the if the Flume... The, uh, yeah, I don't know if you've heard of him. Of course, Pretty yeah. experimental. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I really liked his last uh, album. This, this whole movie that he did with that was nice. But yeah, I think... And I, have, I have a question for, for you. Um, what, mm -hmm. what kind of music they do in your... In your street corner, man. Mm -hmm. He's from the Netherlands. He's like, from the Netherlands. Yeah, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm curious about the music that they do in the in the street corner. I mean, no, it's, it's usually just a bunch of homeless guys. But I really appreciate it. I'm not gonna lie. Like, you know, they didn't really care. They just play their music and they just do some random stuff, and I I kind of like it. So mm -hmm. I don't know. It's, it has something genuine to me. If you go to underground, you have like more of the, the because in the Netherlands, Belgium, the, the rave scene is pretty big. If you like a lot of a lot of like uh, jump up, drum and bass, uh, all that kind of stuff, uh, techno stuff, and if you at some parties, you can find some really people that are like very unknown but just make some music. Yeah, I totally agree. I, I think that uh, you know uh, this kind of I I I knew for sure is is a is a metaphor. We're we're finding more interesting music that is no you you can you can find it maybe in the internet so so easily. Uh, but that's I think that's where all the trends later start to flourish, right? I mean, mm -hmm. first is underground and they try to explore it because it's fucking amazing. Um, and that's why music is, is changing all the time, I guess. Um, because you, you saw what happens to Dustin. Uh, it, it turned out to be, uh, I mean, I was watching an NBA game and in a, in a timeout, they start playing Dustin. <laughs> and that's where you know where trends, I mean, where underground music started to go up yeah. until they explore it as much as possible. 
Yeah, I really like. And if you. Mm-hmm. No, go ahead, no, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, I was gonna say like uh, echo what he said, like that. I agree with um, with that. Like that, it's really nice when you see something that has been underground for a while, and you've been noticing that for a while, and then seeing it grow to become something that more people are aware of. Because you know, at first, really few people knew about it, and really few people enjoyed it and appreciated that. And then now, few few years later, uh, more years later. Uh, it becomes something that more people are uh, enjoying it, and yeah, it's like it's pretty nice. But but don't you think it kills the 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 you know the genre the the origins because um, yes. you listen to the first dance that music and it doesn't match with anything we've we've seen in the last you know five six years. But you can say to your friends like I listened to this before it was cool. <laughs> So that's see, that's inherently the problem that I, I I found myself running into, you know, at an early age when I, I kind of got into the underground, you know, scene of whatever whatever the genre is. There's every every genre has an underground, and inherently, when you keep searching for more and more new stuff in that underground scene, you're just digging a hole directly down to trying to find it, and the underground scene's going to evolve over time anyway. It's like something in that genre is going to turn into, you know, the, you know, the meta. It's going to be the, it's going to be, be, it's going to become popular at some point in time. It has to, because whatever's underground will eventually emerge. And so the, the way I found myself finding actually fresh new stuff is instead of digging directly down in that scene is, was expanding uh, my tastes and starting to look at other genres and like, you know, and I'm not even talking about, Oh, I'm not going to look at drum and bass anymore. I'm going to try to look at progressive house. I'm ta- I'm like, I'm saying like, look out toward jazz. Look at, you know, look at, look at all the like crazy different cultural type of music. Like just mm-hmm. go, go really start expanding, you know, your tastes and you start to find a lot of really cool different things. And you, you're not, you're not focused on just trying to find, what's underground anymore you can you end up finding all kinds of crazy stuff and then there's 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 like there's cultural crossovers and and you know genre crossovers where you start finding like it's kind of how like lo-fi happened right it's like it's like you know regular hip-hop djs finding awesome really old vintage you know jazz tracks or stuff like that it's just you you get these beautiful creative minds just doing doing the exact same thing that you were doing, except they're creating in it rather than just looking to listen. Mm. No, definitely. But then also, yeah, I, I think that, um, that, that is true, but also like, uh, when you staying in your zone, when you're listening to the stuff that you really want to listen to, um, there's always emerging artists. There's always somebody jumping you to that, general to that pool of your interest that brings something new to them or somebody that used to you know make that type of music and now they're making this type of music and since they've been making that looking at their background they bring a new taste and you kind of uh sound into whatever new new thing that they're making um but speaking about like the sources of music I definitely find online is like the ultimate way since you know the amount of music found on the net is um you know, larger than any other source you can find in physical world, uh, no matter what kind of like, I don't know, um, place that has, even like, I don't, I don't know what kind of like storage place with uh, millions of CDs, like the internet's still going to win in that 
comparison because you know the infinite amount of music is insane not only what is out there on the internet right now but also what is being uploaded daily like how many hours of audio is being added um on different on different platforms but i feel like when you go to soundcloud you're just looking for like something to listen to or you follow your popular artist uh or check out with what are the top 50s uh in your country but then on YouTube, you want to look at the video, uh, like on any artist want to see like what they're doing with their art, what they're doing with their image, or what they with their story. But when you go to uh, SoundCloud, I feel like that's the place or that's the website or the source of, um, you know, the the new experimental stuff. Like there are a lot of accounts of people that are just really unknown, but they're doing really interesting stuff. I'm not, I don't I'm not saying that they sound good. But they do sound interesting, though, because what they're doing is not familiar. Uh, all, uh, therefore, uh, they, you know, win your um, interest and they win your attention. Um, and uh, and a lot of those artists uh, who are really young cannot publish their work or they cannot, cannot get a record deal with a label. So they cannot get on those platforms um, like Spotify, for example, or Apple Music. So they are uploading their stuff for free. Um, but that's the easiest and fastest way for them. So they ran their project from Ableton or FL, and then they uploaded it straight to SoundCloud, and then it's over there for you to listen to. Um, yeah, and then um, and then they retweet their friend who lives like across the street from there, making also music, and that's how you hear about them. So it's it's really like uh, the best place to discover music, as for me. I don't know about you guys, but. Um, for me, it's yeah, like Daniel says, like dig very deep into the internet. I mean, that's that's a very good way and simple way to say find music by digging so much and and, and go to a strange places. Yes, and then you discover something that is totally unheard. Have you guys been involved in making art for uh, music projects? Any any of you guys album covers? Um, maybe music uh, some- animation. Yeah, sometimes, but um, my experience, the SoundCloud rappers are the guys who has the lowest budget. <laughs> so um, the the best commissions are mostly, in my opinion, from um, from fashion brands. So um, I produce music too, but I think it's better to um, make art for good people or friends or people you you appreciate not for anybody yeah no, I've, no, go, 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 go. no 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 you 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 <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah i a, a long time ago i'd say probably like 5 6 years ago i i had a lot of people approach me through instagram or my website asking me to do album covers and like the first few, I went ahead and did it. And I've noticed a lot of people who, you know, are, are purely music musicians or whatever. They have no, first of all, they have, yes, usually have no budget. Um, and second, they have idea of the, of the process that it goes into creating a visual. And it's, you have to kind of really, yeah, you have to kind of like really be flexible and try to, like educate them along the way. No, the worst the worst thing is when they start like art directing the project themselves. Oh yeah, I mean, <laughs> you gotta love it. I've got, I've gotten to the point to where I've basically just let them speak and try to try to glean some sort of gem out of their input. 
Um, and then, <laughs> that's or I'll just <laughs> usually I just like okay, this is what you asked for. Okay. I mean, I've, I've dude, I've been told way too many times that I'm way too nice. But um, what I was what I was getting at uh, was I, I I've now to the point to where um, I don't I don't. I have a day job, but like I still do side side work and you know commissions and whatnot. If you oh, can I? If, if the, sorry. No, I've been thinking about getting a day job. What, what do you do in the day? <laughs> we can get to that later. Okay. Um, but I, I I won't take commissions for like you know like you know album covers or music videos or anything like that mm-hmm. um, unless I actually uh, feel passionate about. The, what they're bringing to me like if, if i if i like the music if i like the sound of the project or if you know like the, the story behind it or whatever like if i i won't do it unless i actually like it and I'll, usually i'll just make up an excuse i'm just like yeah sorry i'm busy you know too too much work right now i can't do it but <laughs> in reality it's like i don't like it i'm sorry i'm not gonna yes. do it i'm not, I'm not gonna <laughs> tell them that though i'm not gonna squash their creativity No, yeah, but um, also another interesting uh, area between music and design is the interactive, um, interactive uh, like uh, 3D um, renders of like the actual form or the actual model reacting to the sound itself. Um, I heard about this um, thing in Blender. Uh, it's called the reactor, and you can adjust it in a way that makes the um, the form or the design you did changes in a way that resembles or echoes the sound that you feed into the program. Have you guys did something like that before? You have Signal for Cinema 4D. Too often, yeah. There's, yeah. So there's 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 something like that in pretty much any video or 3D package. It's it's yeah. You're just you're just feeding it frequencies and telling it what to what to change. You want to move polys. You want to change the scale. You want to make it you know bump bump and down or whatever. Pretty much every program has that. And yeah, that's. I find you know those are those are great fun tools. But the stuff that I've really seen that I thought were awesome. Interactive uh, things were more like, like, like interactive, uh, you know, installations, art installations, or like audio installations, where it's like video mapping or something that people can literally physically go interact with, and you know, it, it changes with the sound and the and, and the video. I really dig those because it's two way, right? Like, like you, the viewer gets to do something rather than just sit there and look at the visual reacting to the already made audio, like they get to somehow influence it. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you can provide a pr- reference, but I will. Um, Cause uh, one thing that comes to my mind is uh, the um, virtual self uh, single. Um, one of, one of the songs uh, by virtual self, which is by the way, um, AKA um, Porter. Porter Robinson. Yeah, I almost forgot his name. Um, he did this, uh, yeah, like video on YouTube. Yeah. Actually, a website, by the way. I just tried it. I remember you can just like uh, get into, into this world where it's like water and then there's like different squares, there's different doors, and you just uh, select one of them and you go into it, and then like new type of music starts playing. 
and then you just start like going around it yeah um, but like active like physical world real-time audio interactive installations uh that you're talking about inky like uh i don't know if i can give a reference it doesn't have to be audio right it's like a lot of parameters or variables you can select for it like light like anything with pressure light whatever sense mm -hmm. yeah um but I want to experiment more with the uh, this like audio reactor on the 3D programs. I feel like it's really cool to play with. Um, just so like if anybody, if you guys making music, you can just like feed it up the frequency as Inky was speaking about, and then it starts like maybe increasing in size or becoming different in a way. I don't know. If yeah, but it's, I don't. Know. It like really reminds me of those you know trap nation visual stuff. Mm -hmm. You know, we're like what the audio called? spectrum on, on a on a on a circle. Yeah, yeah. uh huh. And That's basically well, it's all it's used for. But I think there are more different more ways. ways. Yeah, definitely, I agree with you. As Enki was saying, yeah. you can like, is it true, Enki? Like, technically, you can like feed that frequency and make it react to any uh, parameter, no matter. If what you're smart enough and clever enough to route whatever information you're feeding that thing and whatever it spits out, you can, depending on how clever you get, you can pretty much do whatever pops into your head. But well, yeah, I mean, there's, the there's, te there's, sorry. Audio is definitely the most accessible, I think, because you need some equipment to measure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just, it's a, there's a lot of technical hurdles in getting mm -hmm. it to do what you necessarily want it to do. I mean, you, you don't even necessarily need to put it on, you know, put those parameters onto an object. If you have a particle simulation, you can do some pretty wild stuff with the information that, you know, audio spectrum spit out. Mm -hmm. Because there's not, it's not just loudness levels, right, of frequencies. You can, you can hone in on a specific instrument doing something. If you wanted to have, like, take the, 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 the pan information, like the left and right audio information, you could, you could take that like sometimes if you have like you know a, a, a certain type of um export you could take like literally velocity levels of notes and mm -hmm. and 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 bend like like the, a bend of a note you can you can turn all like if, if you're able to get the information out of the audio then you can do it and you can do some pretty wild stuff and then like it, it, you're, you're only li really limited by your by your imagination and what t what you technically no, no, you know, you yeah. can, you can, you can do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I was thinking like in terms of like the 3d software, maybe there are some limitations. Um, maybe like some softwares are better than the others. Every software has its limitations. If you really want to talk about a software that you have no limit, it would probably be Houdini. But uh, once again, it's 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 how much you know technically. It's mm -hmm. it's a very it's a very largely programming and math based program. Mm -hmm. But Houdini pretty much has zero limits <laughs> because it's it's essentially an open framework that you're working in. It's it's something that you can literally make your own tools and your own workflows in. Um, you can do that in a lot of 3D software. Like a lot of 3D software has its backend opened up to you, and you can create your own tools. But you have to you have to kind of learn a bit of a programming language, or or just really understand the framework that they're providing to you. 
Sounds really interesting, yeah, to create your own tools and plugins in Houdini. Um, yeah, but, um, well, that's one of the interesting things to do in the 3D software is to feed audio to a model and make it change in any way you want. But what other things you guys came across and found, like, fascinating to play with and to, you know, experiment? Well, since I'm, like, really new, I've been doing 3D for, like... <laughs> half a year maybe a little bit shorter but um, what i really like is those simulations although they're like often very taxing on the machine i think it's amazing like especially in the research fields you see what youtube and certain colleges are doing and universities are doing with some software simulations it's i think it's amazing how close we can get yeah but what kind of simulations in particular are you talking about utah I, well, I've seen some new uh, water sims that like are really optimized and really accurate, and just are able to like pump out a very complex water simulation with like a gazillion particles within like a couple of minutes, which is something I've never experienced. So, mm -hmm. and then I have I still have a lot to be amazed by because I'm such a, I'm so new new to this, you know. Mm -hmm. I also was on YouTube one time and I seen like a, um, a video, which was like a, basically a, uh, automatic war between two armies and both of them are virtual in a virtual world. Armies were like, one of them was, uh, the light stabbers army from the uh, star Wars versus, uh, dinosaurs. And the dinosaurs were really few, but one, the ones who were like from the Star Wars movie, the ones with the lightsaber uh, sword kind of thing, were like a lot. And they were attacking the um, dinosaurs. And it was all programmed or like uh, automatic launch, like it's just AI. Um, and yeah, it was a nice experiment to launch all of those people all of those tractors in one time uh, one time and see what happens like who wins you know um yeah it's, it's a little bit different from physics simulations but isn't that the game oh kind of in a way i can't tell exactly because i haven't really looked up looked up uh, the technical specifications um but yeah i think it was done in a game engine using like a new type of ai because, you know, the AI in, in games are usually stupid. Do you guys agree? I mean, it's all about the programmer. I mean, it's not really, like the engine. The engine only provides you a space and, uh, you know, yeah, like in a physics field rather than, than the, the AI programming is all up to who, who made it. Like, yeah, some like of, some of, I've, I've run into some really you know, really intelligent AI before in games and others obviously are just, you know, so go, go from point A. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Minecraft skeletons. Sorry? The Minecraft skeletons. Microskeletons. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I guess, I guess you're right, Enki, that it depends on uh, the, uh, the programmer if he's really good at like making the AI smarter or not. Um, I mean, it's just like music, right? Some producers are better than the others. <laughs> and I guess like the levels of how hard the game is, is determined by how smart the AI is sometimes. Um, yeah. So, but the particle simulations you're talking about, uh, Utah is also interesting. Um, 
Um, but also like a new thing is the NVIDIA uh, RTX uh, in the recent years has been like uh, becoming the uh, new standard in video games and real-time graphic rendering that now you can actually trace light using an algorithm uh, in the software and then like see where it bounces I mean, and where it goes. Most especially like the external renderers like V-Ray and uh, Redshift and Octane and stuff, they always have like path tracing, which is basically the same concept. But I still don't think real-time ray tracing is anywhere near standard in games. Um, no, definitely not. It's definitely going to take a few more years. All those consoles promising RTX, it's, pr it's pretty much bullshit in my opinion. And it's going to be some gimmicky stuff, which is what basically NVIDIA has been doing for the past years. Hmm. I mean, NVIDIA is doing, you know, they're doing a great job pushing the hardware. Uh, they're doing a lot of, like, back-end research as well. Like, yeah, yeah. But with the, 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 real, the real people who are going to make real-time race racing thing are, are really aren't... The, the people doing hardware are providing, you know, at least the power to do so, but the, the it's never going to happen until the server is optimized and created. So, and and um, Unreal really kind of the first step that with the, the, the new demo we saw for Unreal 5, uh, they, they're, they're taking the big strides into actually making ray tracing a thing and, you know, pushing high poly models and dynamic lighting, dynamic audio, mm -hmm. all that kind of stuff is, is what's really going to push the generation forward. You can, you can only look real time. Ray tracing is only going to like give you satisfaction when you're able to stop in a game and take a look around you at a, a micro level and be like, oh yeah, really cool. I can see the light going through that glass. That's neat. But how often in videos do you actually get to do that? Unless it's like a peaceful, you know, relaxing video game. The stuff that's really going to make the next gen exciting is, you know, like optimization, no, like no load times, and then having your environment change around you and allowing the light to change with it. Like that's what's dynamics is essentially what's going to push it because everything before before now before unreal 5 has been baked it's all baked uh, baked lighting with you know a few dynamic lights in there to help it not feel so baked and and all that kind of stuff what does that, baked as far mean? as baked means that there are lights in there and then in, in 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 a scene or something like that and then they bake whatever the lighting is into the existing textures of that space. Oh. So anything that's not necessarily going to move and it's going to stay in that place, they can they can put in like some nice lighting and then bake those lights, whatever how the, the those lights were affecting the textures into the texture so that, that it's not taxing, um, you know, the CPU or the or the GPU. Mm. Um, and so then they put a couple dynamic lights in just for like you know reflections or whatever. Um, so it doesn't feel so baked and that's that's how you get like you know your your quote unquote not, you know, like high quality visuals but as far as uh what i think i don't remember if it was paranoid or it was uta that was saying about you know like uh the uh, whole you know external render engines having you know the the ray tracing that's that's been around for yeah. ages 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 now like uh, 3d in the 90s and stuff 
Yeah, it's a standard. Like if you don't have, you know, if you don't have your your global illumination and your and your ray tracing optimized and and you know looking good, like you you're pretty much a newbie at that point. Like, but yeah, it's it's been around forever. Um, and uh, you know, a good high quality visual that you know looks a little bit more realistic or just looks beautiful in general has probably got all that stuff in it. And if the artist is doing a good job, you don't even really notice it. Mm-hmm. Just you just accept it. No, but definitely Nvidia is doing a good job. Um, if I had um, a lot of like savings, I would like invest in such a company. Because um, not they're not only focused on games, but also like in uh, like driveless cars and uh, like how the AI is being used to drive cars and other things like cloud gaming and uh, graphics uh, servers and. So many different things, and it's yeah, it's pretty nice uh, what Nvidia is doing. I, I'm always checking their form and their uh, website, checking like looking for news about what's new they're doing. And um, I guess the RTX uh, light uh, tracing will be. Um, I mean, it's improving, but still, like I don't think that it's near where a, a render actually looks like because it takes like hours to render one frame. Where in real time games better not take hours. <laughs> <laughs> it better not take hours if you're doing your job or it better not take hours. No, seriously. Even if the animation I mean, is really complex, I mean some animations or some uh, some one frame renders are really heavy in details that it takes like hours. Com- complexity and detail isn't what makes a render take long. It's it's generally that it's not the lighting has not been optimized and the materials haven't been optimized, which takes, which makes it take a long time or, or the sheer size of the render. If it's like a 4k or 8k render, it's going to take longer. Mm -hmm. But if it's a standard 1080p HD render, Mm -hmm. then if you, if you've optimized your scene correctly, it shouldn't, it shouldn't take hours to render. Unless you got a really bad computer. Um, well, yeah, but I'm talking. I'm talking about if we're if we're talking professionals here, professionals, like yeah, you know, we're not yeah. talking about a hobbyist or somebody that's just doing it for fun, right. you know, and, and has a, a mediocre machine. I'm talking about people who do this for a living, yeah, or studios for that matter. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So render farms are usually used for uh, basically like rendering long term long. Uh, Long sequences videos, sequences yeah, of images yeah like, yeah, yeah you want to render farm for a sequence yeah mm-hmm. but i mean there's cloud rendering farms now too that you can send off you know a batch of you know a sequence and let a cloud renderer like do it for you and spit it back to you mm-hmm. <laughs> um yeah and speaking about animation um and movies like uh you guys notice that uh, right now in these times where the virus is uh, being like uh, in its highest, let's say, in the peak, cinemas are closed, right? So therefore, uh, there aren't as many movies coming out as it used to be before. Have you guys noticed this or am I the only one? I mean, everything is delayed. <laughs> everything. <laughs> everything. On, like on, from... From from oh. games to movies to sports to to you know the anime figures that I collect that not they're, they're not releasing <laughs> the, the what they said they were going to release at because everything's delayed because uh, manufacturing's delayed all, all this stuff yeah 
Tell us about your like uh, Japanese or uh, origin. Like, uh, did you live in Japan before? Because uh, no, 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 no. But my dad was so horny. Come, like he he went to America. He went to Boston. My parents met in Boston, I think, and uh, there I was conceived basically. And they were both like university, and then uh, now I have this whole Japanese side of me. So that's basically it. <laughs> so you cannot speak Japanese or no, I am fluent. You never Konnichiwa <laughs> then. Um you never been in Japan, right? It actually depends on depends on where Uta is right now. It could be it could be Konnichiwa, it could be Ohio Gozaimasu, it could be Yakumbawa. Wait, can you actually talk full Japanese or what? Uh, I'm rusty, but yeah, I used to be fluent. Yeah, sick. Hey, Kate, looks like you're into the Japanese uh, enemy. Um, the enemy is from Japan. Yep. Yeah, uh, Japan's been a big influence on a lot of my art, like since I was since I was younger. That's nice. But I can actually see that. Uh, uh, Diego is a bit influenced by anime as well in Japan because he's got a lot of got a lot of anime influences. I see some Cowboy Bebop in there. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, um, I mean, um, when I was starting actually to you know to to study in uh, in another city because um, I, I grew up in a small city, and if you want to study something like more like university studies, you need to, to go out and, and make yourself, you know, independent or being in, in kind of a high school or a residence of a students. And when I started to have my own independence and, and I started to dig into the, um, because I, I didn't know anything else but what the TVs, you know, were, were streaming like Dragon Ball and, uh, and uh, what is the other name? Um, Captain Tsubasa and, um, and this, this other one was, um, Lord of War and kind of this this animals that were internationally well known. When I started to you know to make contact with other students and they were putting me into the anime, but um, they linked me. The first thing was uh, Berserk by Kentaro mm. Miura, mm-hmm. and and I was thinking like, man, like this is really happening. I mean, uh, blood and, and gore, you know, in, in anime. I didn't know that, you know, before. I was really naive into the, you know, into Japanese animation, and and then I started to dig and dig into the internet, and and I started to, you know, to be like crazy, like finding this all, all of these, um, like, uh, you know, groups, uh, groups that uh, were sub- subtitling the the animes from Japan, and and I was like, uh, pretty surprised about the quality of the animation. Uh, the quality of the of the drawing and, and, and everything. So I, I started really to like that. And Cowboy Bebop, for example, is one of my, my favorite animes. It's not the yeah. first. My favorite of all time for me. And the, uh, the soundtrack is just mind-blowing. Yep, the seatbelts are incredible. That's, they, were, mm-hmm. they were, I mean, besides my grandfather who, who got me exposed to jazz, um, it, which made me appreciate the soundtrack even more, but the seatbelts were really kind of the, the group that kind of propelled me really far into loving jazz. Absolutely, I think uh, I think also mm, in Japan there is a jazz culture, for example, um, that I, I don't find here in, in Madrid, for example. 
Um, mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. they are more passionate about uh, about what what jazz transmit, you know, and express to to people. I think it goes with the culture. I guess we have a very traditional and folklore culture in Spain that you know we have the flamenco and and uh, you know and all the the styles, you know, that um, that every country has it, but you know maybe a, a just a uh, jazz kind of genre is, is not so interesting for for people here in general. I mean, it's very difficult to find. You know, if you find in a, in a store the jazz spot, it's very small. In, in music, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? And yeah. You go to Japan and you have these special editions and and whatever. So it's crazy. And I really I really can notice that in in many of anime series that are really or shows that are really having the the jazz soundtrack. Yeah, and mm-hmm. it's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, and also El Vocto, you have uh, some uh, Asian references in your artwork as well. Like, apart from the Nissan, uh, there's this also this dragon uh, mm-hmm. rendered in gold, uh, like that, with the word uh, or the number. Um, uh, this number that you always use, like four ten, is that? Uh, mm-hmm. What does it mean? Like, oh, um, area code. Not really. It's um, he wanted to write four twenty, uh, but he typed out six two. Yeah, he was missing the last ten. No, it's it's uh, not a deeper sense in this number. It's just um, I like the, the the looking of the numbers, and um, I'm just using it. And I thought to myself, uh, the the meaning is coming itself. Mm-hmm. So that's the first thing that you were you were kind of visualizing that number in your head, like that's so after after I I, ch- uh, I choose this number, there comes a lot of uh, reference to it. So uh, my my grandma uh, lived in a in a room like four ten or four hundred and ten, and um, so I don't know. It's it's a good childhood memory for me. So uh, it all comes together with this number. I also use a lot the number six. So my um, artist name for uh, music production is uh, Bandit. And I wanted to uh, take a number as well instead of a letter. So I take the six instead of the B. And um, in in the Russian language, the six or kind of a six is a B. So I it, it makes sense. So, yeah. Mm. Yeah, and also I'm curious. Yeah, go ahead. I was, I was, that I was about to ask a question and bring up a kind of a subject. That's it's always, it's always a weird one for artists because I think, I think the majority of us move on after we create a piece and we kind of forget about it or just immediately find all the negative things that we don't like about it. Um, But for everybody here, what, what is you know, your favorite piece that you've created and, and why, if you even have one. You asking me? Everybody. He's asking all of us. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> no, everything I really like, but it's all unreleased and a lot yeah, of it is Yeah, cool. okay, that's what I was about to say. I feel like our favorite piece is the one that we're currently working on. No, not really, but it's still legally, like, not exposable. Right, right, right. Well, I have one from your uh, profile. Um, thank you. Would you like to know which one? 
I, I wasn't asking what people's favorite piece of mine was. I meant their own, oh, their own my work. Own. Oh, right. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, no, not mine. I don't care. I don't. <laughs> I don't care about my art, man. <laughs> I don't care what it, everybody loves about mine. That's that's way too egoist. Hum, humility is the way. <laughs> I was gonna say the girl who was meditating, but um, oh. uh, yeah, no, not not my art, not my art. No, 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 no. Um. I don't, I don't have a favorite one, to be honest. Uh, when I create something, it's a different mood, you know, from piece to piece. Maybe uh, it takes, I don't know, a couple of days to finish something, or maybe it took an hour, and it doesn't mind to me. And what it takes, my let's say, my uh, my favorite pieces is maybe where I I was really kind of enjoying it, enjoying the process, but not because of the piece, but because of the process that you have really to say. Fuck, yeah. this is what I want. I wanted to do for a living. Uh, at least for me, that's yeah, why my, sure. my favorite projects as well are when I have these kind of feelings. Okay. So yeah, so it's, it's more about how you arrived at the piece are the ones that you're, are your favorite. Yeah, exactly. So so many times when you are working, for example, in a, in a super big project, with a, I mean, with a, a, a decent budget and, and you're supposedly to enjoy, sometimes you are not enjoying because maybe the art direction it pushes mm-hmm. you in a way that you don't want to go, or mm-hmm. maybe you know it changes so much from the beginning that you are like, oh man, like this this could be great, but they don't want me to go to that place. So you kind of start, you know, to enjoy more the time when you are totally free to work on something. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I, I accept creative direction and art direction. I mean, it is very very common, but. Like maybe sometimes, you know, people want to see, in, you know, within your work that you do, you know, uh, something else that they see in, into the internet. So it doesn't give you enough, enough freedom, I guess. And I do the most is doing my own ones, but the ones that I put music or I have my headphones with a podcast or whatever, and I start, um, you know, going crazy with Welcome it. And I enjoy it. And for example, you take a photo of your phone or whatever and you start playing with it. I mean, when you yeah. have fun and you say, man, this is amazing. I mean, technology and, and this time we are living in, I'm doing this from my computer. I feel that is a great feeling. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And to share it with everybody else and have like nice feedback from them is also a nice thing. Um, mine, I don't really like know which one I really like the most, but I, I, I did a lot of artworks and um, I'm not really serious about this, just like a hobby. But I, now I, when I look back, I think that I like the 3D ones more than uh, the other ones because I just like this 3D feeling into graphics, maybe. But um, also the new Mud Breeze cover that I'm creating right now, which is going to be launched with this uh, podcast, is, uh, is also nice, so... Everybody listening, you can, uh, you, you already seen it now. So, um, yeah, the 3D feeling wins for me. But yeah, I really um, appreciate uh, you guys' work too. And I'm curious about what you guys love about your work. Which one is uh, your favorite? <laughs> Ooh, silence. What no, is difficult? Here is like in a state of humility where they, or I don't think anyone here enjoys like a particular work. Like where it's, this is like okay, this is this is what I was born for to make. And you see, like everything, every piece is just a place in like a long journey. And 
just represents a different part of the journey. And you can be fond of the part, you can hate the parts, but I think it's it's not that easy to like just say, okay, this I really like it. And it's true. Yeah, I I I definitely agree with that. It's it's hard to to really say that you love any particular piece. Because my Oh, go Sorry, on. no, no, no. Go ahead. Well, you're the only person that know how you were when you made that piece. You know, like a lot of people exactly. see it and they're like, "Okay, it looks cool." Uh, oh, what is this nice red button? I like it. And there's just it's more relatable to like a state of mind, and like uh, Paranoid actually said, than uh, yeah, than pure uh, the surface level of design. Yeah, I, I mean, I totally agree with that. My what generally draws me into the pieces I like that I've dated more generally is how much story I put into them, right? Like, like I said, I, I look, I put story above everything else before I start working, and so like my current currently my favorite is one that's completely unfinished, and it probably will be unfinished and, and until it reaches its 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 uncertain reality. Um, it's like, a, yeah, just like a, it's a short film that I've been writing and visually developing for a long time now. Um, so yeah, I, I, um, it's, I mean, I'm, yeah, I'm doing everything myself currently, but it's oh, not I, like, I won't, I won't, I won't end up like animating the entire thing myself. Uh -huh. Um, just cause I, I'm not an animator, but I have plenty of animator friends that could, you know, help me. But like, I, the, the real dream is to like, you know, have a studio, pick it up and maintain sort of some sort of directorial control. But yeah, like it's like, but like, you know, besides whatever that problem is, it's just, I, I like it more because I've put more work into the story. Like in it also it's unfinished. So I can, I continually am developing it and, and, allowing it to grow a little bit more than what it was when I first started. So like, Is I think that's why it's my favorite. In what way? You mean like are you commercially? Are you planning to uh, sell it in some way? Mm -hmm. Yeah. It, yeah. It's, I, I would mostly just because of budgetary reasons, I would, I would like a studio to put, you know, money behind it and, and then and in, 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 during those talks or some sort of deal is like have, you know, ma maintain some sort of directorial uh, control over it. That way the studio doesn't end up taking it and doing whatever the hell they want with it. But like if you work on an animated piece of ani animation or video, like animated like uh, scene or animated like story, then I don't know what, what ways you can uh, sell that uh, in any context. Like if it's a short movie, let's say like 10 minutes, then um, I'm not sure how that's being sold. I don't know. I don't have a lot of experience in this field, probably. But well, my the the it's not actually supposed to be a short film. It's supposed to be a full length feature. Oh, um, okay. Is is what the plan is? Um, it's it's short right now, just because I only have a short portion of it fully written out. But mm -hmm. but yeah, yeah. I know. So like you you can I mean even with short films you can you can shop them through film festivals and you can you can make. If if it if if the film does well, you can make actually a pretty good chunk of money off of a, a short film. Mm -hmm. Yeah, why not? I guess uh, I guess you can really do it. But I haven't seen a lot of animation on your profile on on Instagram. Um, That's what I'm well, saying. I'm not an animator. Yeah, <laughs> Dude, you remind me so much of like the dudes just saying I'm not a rapper, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> but I'm not an animator. I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> but like, I, for, I, I, I create, I create what? visual why are you, 3D. Why not? Why not? I can single frames, but I'm not. But I'm not a character animator. I I, I don't do them. Like that's a that's a that's a Why lifetime you? pursuit. Okay, yeah, I guess. But I can imagine so like, like especially when you for, create characters. Yeah, yeah. So like I can create a you know I can create a, a, a you know a fun you know like beautiful character if you will, but like the the job in, in in breathing life into it with motion is is especially with character with like with humans and and all that kind of stuff it's a it's a lifelong pursuit i have a my my best friend is literally that his only job at his studio is character animation thank you i think it's all he it's all he, it's all he knows how to do yeah yeah go ahead go ahead so basically like you do all these characters there which are really beautiful and you post the stills of them uh, render of one frame but if you make this casserole or like this sliding uh, images on each post, maybe on first one you can put on the tractor, on the second one you just put on the version, uh, which is like a video of the tractor themselves. But instead with the front view, you can just animate the camera into a circle that goes around the tractor itself. And with like 360 uh, camera animation, you can get like a nice video around the tractor without even moving any pixel I mean, I mean any you know would you call that animation <laughs> i mean i mean yeah, little like technically you are I, animating the camera um that, that's okay so that's that's screen. camera animation that's not character animation yeah well still i would love to see that like your your, your character from all angles like from from any size but you can also turn the character 360, then you're an animator of the character. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, so like you could do, I mean, yeah, okay, obviously you could you could do a turnaround, a character turnaround. That that's that's obvious. You could do that. I I, I know. I just prefer I prefer to like create a, a a good solid you know pose that is composed well in the scene, and that's what you see it from. Like if like you know you know some of my renders like there's no point in seeing the side view or, you know, the back view of the character. If, if, if like that, it's not intended for that frame, you know, um, I, I compose my generally I compose my frames to look the way that they're supposed to look in a cinematic way. And I have Gen generally in regards to that, because I saw that, uh, in a lot of your characters, there is a kind of an, an outer glow, you know, into the skin, to the hair, so do you like a lot that kind of you know like light reflection? Uh, do, do you do that directly in 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 a in a three D software, or do you are let's say post production uh, with post production or higher retouching doing that? And, and and if that maybe is the reason because of you know you wouldn't feel so comfortable doing the animation because that's kind of uh, you know very tricky to to do. A, a retouch of light in, in, in certain spots. And if you start animating, you know, you will be like, you know, changing those things all the time. So I don't know how you work, obviously, but um, seeing your work, it is, uh, I wonder if you are doing this kind of, you know, uh, reflections and, and, and kind of other glows, you're doing that by post-production or you are doing that directly in the 3D software. No, that's that's in 3D. That those are those are called uh, those are called rim lights, and they're 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 in the scene. I don't, I for the most part, I don't generally add anything in post production. Like add add anything in post production. I'll I'll you know I'll touch up levels, and you know create you know create a bit of a soft glow, 
over the entire frame or in a certain area, but I don't, I don't add lighting in post-production. Mm-hmm. Okay. Rim lights. Nice. Uh, yeah, rim lights. You word. Uh, it's good to know because <laughs> a lot of your, your work like kind of have this, it seems like, you know, this uh, airbrushing or painting, you know, kind of appealing. And, and I was wondering if, if, if you were doing some post-production or everything 3D and, and that's amazing if you are doing everything in 3D. I mean, well, so, I mean, there's not a single image that I put out that I don't touch up or like not touch up, but in some way, you know, do a bit of post-production. That's, that's, how, that's, if, if you're serious about your work, it, it should never come straight out of the render. Like you, you should, you should be doing something that, you know, is even if it's just equalization of levels or, or, or you know, and like the Instagram know. filters. <laughs> no Instagram filters. <laughs> uh, none of that. None of that garbage. Um, but yeah, you know, just you know, like just doing a, a, a little levels touch up or color grading or things like that. I mean, some of the stuff that I do is you know, like it's it's rare, but uh, there's some of it's really effects heavy. Um, mostly just through the nature of it, like uh, just experimentation type stuff. Mm. I do it the opposite way when I work in 3D. To me, it's more like an assets tool for creating something that later on I, I start to play with and have fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, it's that's it's it's just the last. What uh, I don't know if you guys know who the artist is, but his name's Ash Thorpe, and yeah, uh, he and I both share kind of the same mindset when it comes to post production, and in in that it's kind of how it separates, you know the an, an an average artist from a professional artist in that it it's it's where you add that last 10% of polish mm-hmm. um but you mean in the 3D I mean in the 3D industry because yeah yeah in, in 3D industry yeah yeah okay. um or, or in film like it, whatever it may be like you know you you go out and you shoot your raw frames, but then you have to bring it back and you have to, you have to, you know, retouch some stuff. You have to color grade it. You have to, you know, add on, you know, that little extra sparkle or, or, you know, lens flare, a slight glow in some spot. Like there's, there's, there's all kinds of like just little things that you're, that you're kind of layering on top of it to give it that, just that extra bit of, of push. Mm. That extra sauce. Yeah, yeah, the secret sauce. Yep, you got that? Oh, yeah, I think you got that for sure. Um, so basically, animation is something I would love to see in your work, Inky, like a 360 uh, spin of the model um, with all those, like, you know, you got the smoke sometimes, you got the laser, you got the um, some reflective light, and it would be nice to see how those lights like reflect through a video. Yeah, yeah. Um, the same reflective light as I'm seeing in the uh, Elvocto, um, you know, um, work. Um, I also would like to see these things animate, like to see Chrome or to see. You need to wear sunglasses to look at it. Mm, that's the problem. You see, I, I was about to say that. You see, uh, a, a spin, uh, you know, like a turnaround, a camera turnaround for Vogdo's art is probably a little bit more doable. Being that a lot of his stuff works in a in a what I would call an infinite space, mm-hmm. so the, you know the black the background. Black there's background. nothing. There's nothing to really worry about when it comes to your environment. Like that's that's the that's the kind of the difference. Is I I, I tend to put my things in a scene, yeah. and so you know a turnaround isn't 
it's there's there's no there's no place for it. It's I'm I'm composing for a image for a you know a specific composition. Right. So if yeah, if right. you would turn the camera 180, we would see like garbage stuff, like because you don't finish the scene, right? Because that's like what happens behind the scene is that whatever you focus on is really looks beautiful, and then behind the scene is like. A mess. Yeah, it's exactly like exactly like film. Like you're not, you know, if on a on a film set, there's nothing behind the camera other than you know people working on the set and holding up camera booms or uh, mic booms. Um, it's it's there's no unless you're planning on turning it into a fully animated sequence where like the character's moving through a space. There's no reason to finish the scene behind the camera. That's just work that's never going to be seen or, or or anything like that. So like, select, why? What if you choose everything like select everything in front of the camera and then like copy it to behind the camera as a as a reflection? <laughs> lazy, lazy, lazy. <laughs> I mean, why not? Lazy. Not why? Well, be, for me, it, it because I wouldn't be able to live with myself. Or. They exist within a like a mirror room, you know, where everything is get reflected. So you don't have to reflect it anymore because it is bouncing everywhere. So if the camera turns I, around, there's just I I, I can't bring myself to that, man. I have to if if I'm if I'm telling a story, I can't have it be a mirror story, unless that's the story itself. Do you write sometimes like that? What what the story is about? Like on the Instagram, or you just put like. Yeah, generally, like, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll put in, I'll put in some sort of explanation of whatever you know the character is or whatever it's going on. Sometimes not. Sometimes it's just, hey, I did this because I had a cool idea. Sorry, what? Nothing. Um, no, but like, I'm, I'm talking too much. Somebody take over. <laughs> <laughs> If I can add something, um, in my case, um, there's like 50% percent of post production. Because I think I'm not a good 3D artist. I'm, I take uh, models, or sometimes I model by myself, and then I I've done a lot of post production, like um, adding some uh, typography in um, some cases, or stickers, or some glow effects. And I think in my case it's 50-50, So it's um, not uh, not possible in much cases to make a turnaround because I have to add every fr uh, every frame single. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I feel you. Yeah. Yeah, it uh -huh. looks really nice, by the way. I, I thought that you just rendered it within the... With a physical render. Yeah. Just But very crappy. If, it's come, if it comes out from Cinema 4D, it looks like shit. Oh. And then I, I give it my... Uh, my hot sauce in Photoshop and I make it look a little bit better. All right. Your German sauce. Um, yeah. Um, <laughs> half German, half Russian. It's meant to be for the... Um, That's for the skin color. Spicy. No, it's meant to be for the hot dogs, the German ones. Uh, But he's What? Called, he, the hot meant, dogs? The hot, the hot dogs, the German hot dogs. Aren't, you mean the, aren't Germany's known for the hot dogs? No. <laughs> no? It's, it's American. But also Hot German. dogs. What? Brats. Brats. We, oh. we, we have brat, bratwurst or uh, currywurst. Oh, yeah. okay. Mm -hmm. Hot dogs is more US, American. That's the Yankee shit. Yankee shit, yes. <laughs> <laughs> 
and composition, I think they're similar and content. These are some hot takes, dude. I don't know. You maybe get uh, demonetized for this. Uh, I'm vegetarian, so I don't know what I'm talking about. Sorry. <laughs> um, not for real, but um, so back to your work. Um, yeah, so folk to uh, want to say that um, it's a nice <coughs> cool trick to add a blur or a glow in post-production with uh, other software not rendered. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, uh, in case, but like, what about the reflections? Are they like uh, done in uh, in 3D or in? Um, the reflection is made like uh, I create a sphere with um, like a structure of metal or chrome. And I'm in most cases, I made my um, objects like uh, chrome. I put the chrome surface on it and the sphere around the object is reflecting on the chrome and I render it out as a PNG file. So I don't have the background and everything else I was, ma uh, I was uh, making uh, Photoshop. Mm. Sometimes I, I work on shadows or reflections under the um, object, like uh, like it was on the train, for example. Okay, yeah. Um, yeah, and then I play around with colors and um, yes. Wow, so the train reflection is done in post-production. That's interesting. Um, it's Yes, kind of, but um, I rendered two files out. Uh, one is a little bit brighter and uh, the other one is a little bit darker because I needed some parts from both of it and then I put it together in Photoshop. Awesome. Yeah, pretty nice stuff. Um, Thank you. Where do you think you're heading? This question goes for all of you guys. Uh, where do you guys think you're heading with your work, like in the future? Are you Unemployment office. <laughs> what? I, what? I you said the unemployment office. Oh, <laughs> nah, man. You're supposed to be the person who's working from the desk. Like you're not supposed to. Like you don't worry about this stuff. You just do. You just do your stuff. I don't want to. I don't want to work on the desk, dude. No, um, I don't. Oh, you standing? You have like a standing work. desk? You just like work while? No, 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 no. I just don't want a desk. I don't want to work at a desk. Period. On the couch, maybe you just put in your laptop. And <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm in more physical work. But no, I don't think uh, what I'm doing currently is heading anywhere. Um, I've uh, finished some big commissions right now, and for me, it's it's over. So I'm basically, I think I'm gonna quit because it's boring as fuck, anyways, for me. Um, and I'm just gonna take a day job. That's why I was interested in what Inky had to say about the day job because. Right now I'm in a position where I have to do the commissions I don't like to stay afloat, pay the rent, pay the food. And I'm gonna kind of step away from that and just do the stuff I like while working day job. Interesting. Nice. So what kind of like a day job related to media, of course, or like something else? No, I'm probably gonna just flip burgers, do it and flip burgers or, you know, Ooh. just uh, get some dogs out or like walk some dogs, you know? Yeah. It's cool. No, but I, I that's a bummer for me because I really like your work, man. I would like to see new posts by you, but unfortunately, you move into something no, else. I'm kind of done with this. No, no, it's, it's okay. I think, it's a, if I, yeah. I think um, you should separate these uh, parts. Like uh, your day job has to be something um, yeah. 
something yeah you know something easy with not nothing to do with design yeah. and you can you can live by this money and on the other side you can uh, you can choose what kind of project do you like to want want to do yeah and yeah. Um, then you don't lose the the passion exactly Yeah, you have you don't you don't want my input then on day jobs. <laughs> I know. It's crappy. But no, that's I my day job is almost almost exactly like what I do for fun. Uh, well, well fuck you then. I, <laughs> <laughs> I can't I can't I can't bring uh, I I I can't turn off my creative mind, so if I didn't work in a creative field i'd probably end up bashing my head into a wall well we're no we're not all like super blessed like you but i think like working like literally a lot like pretty much 24 7 since i started and it's it's just boring for me right now so mm. i'm just looking for something new you know it's definitely it's a blessing and a curse but um at the end of the day uh like doing what you love and making money with it is like, it's like the, the money's just a bonus at that point because I'm, I'm happy doing what I do. I doing what I do. Yeah. Yeah. But that's kind of the point. I'm not really happy with what I'm doing, like creating. Exactly. The, exactly. The, like it's, it's just so boring because everyone just wants a piece of this trend right now. And it's, it's just, uh, I just wake up and do it. And you know, it's not really inviting to me, but Inky, how long have you been working? Uh, how long? How long have I been working? Yeah, yeah. Just the current lifestyle you have right now. How long have has that kept up? I mean, I've been I've been working in the industry for ten years. You said fifty. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, I was doing work while I was still in college too. So, I mean, I'd say yeah, roughly about fifteen years. But um. Wow. <laughs> I mean, not it's not always, not always at the same oh, not always at the same job. an OG what, at this point. I wouldn't <laughs> I wouldn't call myself an OG, but um, I mean, I'm definitely. I mean, if you're talking about like Instagram artists, I'm definitely older than the majority of the Instagram artists. Yes. How old are you? Thirty-five. Okay. Awesome. Um. I'm 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 gonna be 25 soon. Yeah. You you're 21, right? Yeah. Oh, nice. I don't. I don't really have any degree or anything, dude. I'm just a kid with a computer. <laughs> That's where we all started, though, really. Yeah, but I went to art school and I dropped out of like two schools within like the first few months. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm really disengaging and mm. I always thought about art schools as like a fun place to go to when you don't want to go into the business school or the doctor school you just go into the side where it's more fun well, it's, but it's, you know, it's a bunch of pretentious people and like most I of the completely team, agree with Isa here it's just a bunch of pretentious people it's a lot of schools are basically just uh, financial you know they're just uh Taking money, they give you a degree when you just complete the stuff, complete the assignments, complete the tests, blah blah blah. blah. No real 
growth there. There's so much information out there and, and learning resources for people online and in books that you, you honestly, I feel like if, if, yeah, if you're, if you're a driven individual and you can, and you can commit yourself to learning and actually trying to make progress and look at your work object objectively instead of subjectively, and, and tell yourself where you need to get better or listen to peers or people online that know what they're talking about. There's, there's honestly no real reason to go to art school. The majority of the places that I have worked did not even look at my degree, did not care about my degree. Mm-hmm. They only cared about who I was as a worker, a, a, an artist, and if I could get along with the team. That's, I'm definitely happy to hear that. Like, yeah, it's, it's how it should be also, sure. Uh, art college was just a place to end up in debt, essentially. <laughs> and I, I, I learned more from my my peers that I met there and myself on, from from online learning than I did from the school itself. Mm-hmm. I agree with you. Yeah, but like <laughs> perhaps um, gaining a degree would make it. Um, will make you like go faster into becoming like a professional, like make you accelerate your uh, growth. In I don't a way. think so. <laughs> <laughs> because you need that persistence. You need somebody to keep, to keep you on track or you need somebody to motivate you. But when you have, when you find yourself in a, such a program, like the one that school provides, then you're more focused on actually, you know, going next step. Well, if you need, you're, you're, you're assuming, yeah, if you need a school to like stay motivated to this, I don't think you're meant for this. Like, you're also assuming that that school has a good program that is going to motivate you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Just because just because they're a school does not mean they have a good program. Well, that's true. Definitely, it's, everything is uh, can be criticized in that way. Um, the the I, I find I find a lot of the art schools that I visited, including uh, you know the one I attended, there was a lot to be desired you know um at the end again like i said at the end of the day it's about your drive to be better and learn more and listening somehow you know it's the it's it's the age of the internet like you can actually if, if as long as the person's open you can get in touch with you know your the people the artists that you look up to and get their input there's there's programs you can you could spend you know, fifty thousand dollars article, right? Or you could spend one hundred and fifty dollars on a course from Learn Squared, mm-hmm. and and literally like talk to you know an artist like Ash Thorpe who works in the industry and will give you a literally as part of the course a mentorship on a certain project and actually get in. And if you're open to it and you listen to it and you learn from it, you can you can accelerate yourself just as fast as you could in art school yeah, and not be in debt. Uh, yeah, I definitely agree. People driven by passion are, you know, they, they, they have higher momentum than those that are driven by kind of like school rules and regulations. I'm curious about what um, Diego thinks of this. Diego, did you go to any type of school, university uh, to study art? No, 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 I'm totally uh, sold off 
in, in, in design and illustration. Um, I went to uh, actually kind of film school because I wanted to be a, a music video director or something like that. It was in my mind because I love music. I wanted to, to do music videos for a living and, and whatnot. And when I was kind of uh, ending that, uh, that film production kind of uh, school, I, I really thought about going, let's say, uh, to, to some country and start studying art or whatever. But uh, I finally didn't do it. And, and I'm glad that I didn't do it because um, I really agree with everything that, you know, um, Yuta and, and Inki have said about that. I think, uh, I think that the problem is at the base of these schools. I think that the program, the program that they have, you know, is, is very, is very old. I mean, in terms of um, th what they think is the basics for something is yeah. it's not anymore the basics. You know, the basics, the basics are whatever. It's very outdated. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's totally outdated. And, and I think um, they are not aware, aware of the, um, I many of people that join our schools and they are not, you know, very, very aware that you can do a living, you know, um, through your creativity and your effort. You know, you, you don't need anything to push you to, to make great art. You need practice, you need, of course, a, a, a limitless kind of amount of hours doing something because, you know, you need to practice and practice. And, and like Inky said, um, there is a lot of ways right now to learn from more people that are involved in the industry. And, and you have a quick, a fast exchange of experiences, of techniques or whatever. And you can learn more in a day than maybe in, in three, six months art school. But with that said, I think that um, our schools are there because there is people that maybe need that that push. You know, mm -hmm. um, I, I would understand that. But to me, if, like Inky say, if you need that push, or I don't know if you or Inky say that, if you need that push, maybe you are not made for this. Because that's yeah, that was Uta, but I completely agree. Yeah, it's, it's like uh, in your inside, something is telling you, you know, to create things that you like, something that you enjoy doing it, and you, you, in my in my mind, I wouldn't need any anybody to tell me all day like create this, create this, create that, and that is kind of a schedule in a program, and that to me is too artificial. Doesn't make sense to me. Thanks, I just want to end this episode because we just hit two hours of uh, our uh, stream. Jeez. Yep, <laughs> and I'd like to keep it in this format. So uh, <clears throat> we will, I would love to have you guys on the next episode uh, where we can talk more about um, prostitutes. <laughs> sure, uh, you know we can talk about that. But like, definitely, you guys are more than welcome to uh, join Mod Breeze for the. Upcoming episodes, I invite my. You should do podcast on ketamine. Yeah, you. We will see about that. Well, you, we, we can. Uh, I can invite my listeners to follow you, Yuta at uh, U T A R O H H, and don't expect more art from him because he's, he's quitting. <laughs> well, and I can't say the same thing about Inky because uh, you can follow him at the, underscore Inky. Um, on Instagram, you can see more of his 3D renders. The same thing goes for my guest Diego at Paranoid Me. Uh, and also, uh, I want to thank uh, El Vocto for being part of this uh, episode. You can follow him at Il Vocto, E L V O. Thank you for having me. 
Yeah, you're welcome. Uh, thanks, everybody, for joining in. Um, <laughs> and yeah, uh, I'll see you, my listeners, uh, in the upcoming episodes. And goodbye. Stay safe.